Gorgeous day here in Vancouver. Gorgeous weekend. Am I the only person, and I say this uh, with a little trepidation, in Vancouver that is disappointed that the yoga on the Burrard Street Bridge has been cancelled? I think that would have been quite the sexy little affair. I have a few other things to say about that here tonight on the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate men and women about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making relationships the best they can be. I am Maureen McGrath. I am your host. Thank you for joining me. It's my pleasure to be here with all of you. So first of all, let's go to the Burrard Street Bridge, the yoga. I, I, I am American. If you've listened to the show before, I may know that about me. And we have concerts on, on the Half Shell and um, on the Charles River, and we close down roads and areas of the city quite commonly. Times Square in New York has been closed for yoga, but um, there was a lot of backlash about yoga on the bridge. But uh, this weekend I had some relatives in from Chicago and they were like, where's that bridge where the yoga is taking place? (laughs) So we had to go and see it. So I think, you know, there's always a silver lining and uh, this is going to become Vancouver's number one tourist destination. How boring is that? Uh, Anyway, uh, such is life. But, you know, something else I wanted to point out, I'm just curious about this. Yeah, there were some businesses that were backing the Burrard Street Bridge Yoga Thon, whatever. Did I say thong? No. Um, thong. And, um, but Commercial Drive gets closed down for an entire day, and all of those businesses benefit. I just don't understand. It just seems a little bit uh, mildly uh, confusing, and that's uh, all day Sunday, and this is going to be a couple of hours. But anyway, nonetheless, we will perhaps have to wait and see if that will be reborn elsewhere. Anyway... Vancouver remains this dull city. No, it's actually not a dull city. There's lots to do. You have to go and uh, seek it out. But anyway, this week I spoke in Maple Ridge and at the Maple Ridge Seniors Society. So there were about six women, I was told after my talk, that would not come into the talk because of how it had been advertised. So I'm just going to read you the advertisement that I didn't actually make up. Somebody else wrote it. And they wrote a lively, educational, evidence-informed session on being your best self at any age and how you plan How to plan for the sexiest time of your life, those senior years. Sex is vital to life, and a healthy sex life cannot be overstepped by life circumstances and health issues that may get in the way. How do we make our communities the most desirable place for seniors to live, work, and play? Learn ways to improve quality of life for all at any age. So apparently some women took that that to mean that if you weren't having sex, as a senior, then there, then I you would be judged, or it was not right, and um, I that was not the intention at all. And of course, if you've ever been to one of my talks, they're largely around the health issues that are related to sexuality and sexual health, because sex is an important aspect of uh, health. And in order for you to have a great sex life, you need to be healthy and understand some of the things that will occur along the life uh, line, if you will. For example, erectile dysfunction in men, which can occur as in, in young men, in 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds. It's not uncommon. Premature ejaculation all across the life cycle. Vaginal health, vaginal dryness in particular was a huge issue. So many women came and spoke to me about that afterward because that can lead to painful sex and also low sexual desire, and it may impact your relationship. That can happen after pregnancy, during breastfeeding, when you're on the oral contraceptive pill. So there's so much health-related information, but not all of it is totally health. Some of it was fun. And uh, I have this 
signature hot pink suitcase that contains a number of uh, sex toys and uh, health devices, health aids. And I wasn't actually sure about this crowd, to be totally honest with you. I did bring my suitcase with me and brought it up to the podium, but then I wasn't so sure. They were being a little shy, and uh, lo and behold, somebody said, you know, what's in the case, and, you know, we do want to see it, or someone, you know, gave permission. And Anyway, so we had so much fun. Um, with all of those devices that I found inside of my suitcase. You can read about it on my blog, www.backtothebedroom-blog.ca. One of the more popular items was my purple dildo, which was given to me as a birthday present by a West Vancouver firefighter. I'm kind of proud about that because they're, they're darn good looking, those firefighters in West Van. Um, anyway, happened to be a friend. Uh, but those are the kinds of gifts that I get. I don't actually get gift cards or sweaters or anything like that. I tend to get penises, or especially ones with erectile dysfunction. And I do have one of those as well. And they, uh, that was a crowd pleaser as well. Actually, they like the stiff one much better. Um, but anyway, that's kind of where I've been jaunting around. Um, if you have any questions tonight, we have a great show tonight because I have some wonderful guests. But if you have any questions at all, you can give us a call at 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. And, um, or you can always email me, sextalk at cknw.com. I am going to read some of your emails tonight, one in particular about vasectomy versus tubal ligation, what's safer, faster, more efficient, more effective. Um, so, yes, yeah, uh, give me an email or give me a call, star 9898 on your cell. Lots of different subjects tonight. On the program, we have Annie Cranfield of the Matchmaker Club. She's joining me to talk about dating in this dull city and finding that perfect mate. They're out there, apparently, and uh, she's going to help you find the perfect one. And also, once you've had that match made in heaven, guess what? Women cheat, too, but they cheat differently. Apparently, they're smarter about it, and they think about it longer before taking the plunge. I am reminded of this from several stories that I've had in my clinical practice this week about uh, some women and their escapades, shall I say. And it's very interesting because women do cheat just a little bit differently, though. Also this week, if if you are the first time listening to the show, that's great. Welcome. I love having you. And if uh, you are a return listener. Love that too. But uh, if you've listened to me before, you know that I'm extremely passionate about raising awareness and ending violence against women. I'm not sure that will ever happen, but uh, I was reminded this week, I was out at an evening meeting. And um, after the meeting, the people I was meeting with walked me to my car and I was in between two cars and, and of course, uh, I had pumps on and a dress and uh, which, you know, you can't really wear anything you want. I mean, I think I... I know there's been some controversy around that, um, but, you know, you have to think about what you're wearing. Women have to. I'm not saying that that's right, but sometimes that can place people at greater risk. And even a simple dress and and pumps rendered me less able to run really quickly, for example. So um, think about those nine-inch heels that you're going to be wearing in that one-inch skirt. Anyway, um, so I was trying to get into my car, and it was a new clicker for me, and... um, I couldn't really get in, and three guys walked in front of the car, and one of them said, let's go the lady route, and literally came to, um, I am assuming, uh, attack me. I am not uh, exaggerating. I froze, which is, I I know I do that. And some people either, uh, it's fight or flight and or freeze, and so I have a tendency to freeze. But fortunately, the people I was meeting meeting with came back, and they... 
actually uh, rescued me. So it was a reminder to people about, and women in particular, just how vulnerable you are and how alcohol is related to it. I could see that these men were drinking, and uh, one in particular was was the drunkest. But, um, you know, I, I was not going to be able to take on those three guys. I know I'm tough, but uh, <laughs> that is a bit much. Even someone called me Hardy today. <laughs> but I was like, Hardy? Okay, well, anyway. Uh, after I came out of the ocean after a swim, they were like, oh, you're, are you a year-round swimmer? I'm not. But anyway, um, I said, oh, you're pretty hardy. They thought it must be cold. But the water's beautiful. And, you know, it's a great thing. Exercise is fantastic. There's so many ways you can exercise freely in this city and, and the surrounding areas as well, between hiking and swimming in the lakes and swimming in the ocean is so great to increase blood flow, help to get the blood flowing to the right areas of your body, the genitalia, and that will certainly help with uh, sexual pleasure and uh, help you to have lots more fun in the bedroom because you'll feel a whole lot better. Anyway, but um, when I return, I am honored to be joined by Laura. Laura was a target of a sexual assault some years ago, and she's going to share the her journey of healing, how she went from tragedy to triumph. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I want to say uh, thank you, Luke, for your fabulous technical production tonight and assistance with the music. I thoroughly appreciate it. You choose great songs, and sometimes I sing to them <laughs> and shouldn't. Anyway, <laughs> did I say I was, wasn't was tough? No. Anyway, <laughs> Um, I'm Maureen. I'm a registered nurse, sex therapist, and very interested in sexual health research. I've, I've done a significant amount of research myself in that area. Perhaps you saw the hashtag this week, distractingly sexy, uh, which was um, uh, trending quite a bit, given that um, there were, some, of course, some more comments about how difficult it is to work with women, especially scientists, because they are so darn distractingly sexy, and they cry as well. And um, anyway, that was uh, not, it was a, a Pulitzer, uh, uh, Pulitzer Prize winner who um, had actually started that, and so that uh, prompted outrage on Twitter. And um, so it's uh, actually not true about women in science. And uh, there were some great, uh, great tweets about that. So have a look if you'd like to have a laugh. So some brilliant women made some uh, brilliant comments about this. And there are so many women in science these days, which is fantastic. Um, right now, we're going to um, shift the focus a little bit. Uh, as you know or may not know, I am extremely interested in raising awareness and ending violence against women and empowering women uh, so that this doesn't happen to them, so that they are aware that this can, in fact, happen to them, that women are at risk for this in the home and on the street and in the workplace as well. It happened to me, and which is what prompted my, piqued my interest, and I said if I healed from it and recovered and, and um, that I would actually, and then got this radio show, which I did, that I would actually lend my voice to this cause. So that's a little bit of my history, but Laura joins me right now. And um, she has unfortunately had a situation where she was the target of sexual assault, and um, but she has healed from it. It's been a process, and she's going to share with us a little bit of her story and uh, and how she healed, and that may help you. And I think when women 
and share their stories, they empower other women and girls. Hello, Laura. Hello, Maureen. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Oh, good. So thank you so much for joining me. Well, and thanks for having me. Your courage here to uh, share your story. Yeah, well, the more that people talk, the more other people will talk. And I think that's really important to... Um, to this journey to end violence against women. And um, you and I, you knew I had done some of the work and you approached me in a restaurant. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and said, you know, this happened to me and I would like to share my story and I would like to. Yeah. And so tell me a bit. Uh, I know it's difficult, but if no, you can yeah. tell me a bit of what happened to you. Well, it's so funny because um, you kind of, it was a very, it was totally serendipity that you walked into the restaurant. Uh, I had just been talking to a few women um, about, you know, what happened to me and everyone else started sharing their stories. And, um, and then I was like, God, I really want to, you know, talk to young women and talk to other women about this because I just think it's so powerful for us all to come together. But um, a few years ago I was living in Banff and, um, and, you know, I was working at uh, the Banff Springs and I had a, a co-worker that worked in a different department but on the same floor, so I saw him regularly. Um, always pleasant. Um, I think he was Filipino. Um, anyways, you know, just a casual workplace thing. I wasn't giving him any sort of reason to come on to me. Um, one night, uh, my friend and I, that were we were new to Banff, and it was her birthday, it was Halloween, so we decided that we would go out, and um, so we went out, had a couple drinks, and then saw him with a, another uh, group of people that worked on the same floor as us, um, and so yeah, then uh, he kind of had me alone and asked if I wanted a drink, and you know, I said, sure, Um so then after this drink, um, it was <laughs> pretty quick to um, the next day, really. I just lost so much time in between. Um, basically, fast forward, I woke up. Um, my room was a complete hurricane. I remember coming to um, at some point that, I guess, early morning. And, and he was on top of me, and I just lost it. And I get out you know and I was just I I never lose my cool and I had good reason to totally lost it yeah just swearing at him get out you know um the next day I just felt so odd so um hot and I felt like I couldn't balance and it was just this whole different feeling than being hungover and uh so I called my friend and told her this scenario and she kind of helped me put some pieces together and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I think I was raped. Um, so and what I, made you think that? Well, I mean, when I came to, he was on top of me. It was mm-hmm. pretty obvious, but um, when I called my friend and every, like putting everything together, you know, it's really hard to... Uh, when you're in that state to know if something actually happened or not. Right. And, and At so you're, time. yeah, your brain's almost just like, no, no, that didn't happen. But, uh, right. And did you go to the hospital and have it checked? Yep. I went to the hospital. I went to the police. I did a complete police report and, uh, I ended up taking him to court and, um, 
And it was all because when I talked to my friend, I was like, if he did this to you, right, <laughs> that would be the end of him. Right. So that that was tough that you brought him to court. That was tough, a tough decision to make that yeah. you, to bring him to court because it makes it public and for yeah. you as well. And people are going to shame you and say that you perhaps invited this or yeah. you know, there's going to be some negative connotation. Absolutely. Um, but I, I just wasn't having any of it. <laughs> and do you think that helped you in the healing process? Absolutely. I stood up on the stand and I told everyone what happened and I looked him in the eye and I confessed, did, or not confessions. No, no. Um, we're so, also guilty. We're yeah. also Catholic and confession. No, no. <laughs> yeah. um, no. And we got nothing to be guilty. No. <laughs> I do like to sing. Um, but so that was, began the healing process for you. And, and was he punished? Absolutely. Did he end up going to jail for this? Or um, He didn't go to jail. I think he just got, it was charged. Um, so he has but, that on his record. Yeah. And um, there are other few things like um, he had a curfew and, you know, he he was punished. He spent a lot of money um, to defend himself and... Um, I I feel good about it, and you're glad you went that, yeah. that route. Mm-hmm. And since that time, so how how have you managed your life um, since that? Do you have flashbacks? Do you did you deal with post traumatic stress disorder? Did you um, are you nervous in relationships now? Has it affected your uh, intimacy in your life or your ability to be intimate with um, people? To be quite honest. Um, it's just made me more and more protective of the women around me. Um, it's it, it didn't it doesn't hurt. It doesn't um I'm I'm one of the weird ones, but um no, it, it just made me increasingly protective of the women around me. Have, have you been a relation in a relationship since then? No. No, and do you do you feel that that uh, has anything to do with, or have you just not met the right person, and so therefore? Yeah, I think it's. Um, I I don't think it has to do with that. You know, with um, maybe our matchmaker here can okay, help me with yeah. that. Yeah, so that's what I. So so you don't think when you say it doesn't have to do with that. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't think it's affected my sexual relations. But yet you haven't had a relationship since that time. Well, a long-term one, no. Oh, a long-term one. So you have had some relationships yeah. during mm-hmm. that time. Okay, all right. So that's so that's good. And so what are the kinds of things that you are, are doing or w- would like to do, have a dream to do to raise awareness and help women who have suffered this? I mean, even a simple volunteer, like having someone phone you and, and you tell your story. Exactly, yep. Is um, very helpful for someone who may not want to go to court. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that is a really good idea. Um, I really wanted to speak in high schools, and so that's why I initially um, came up to you in the parking lot that day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that was the, <laughs> the restaurant. The I restaurant did get parking into the lot. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I swear that wasn't me. <laughs> um, yeah. You ran after me? Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> 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 but uh no i i really think that it's important for young girls to um and and really young men to know 
what's acceptable and what isn't. Um, I know plenty of really great guys that, you know, I could be totally wasted and they would take me home yeah, and we have to yeah remind us yeah. this is not every man but when one yeah. man does it it can it's a hundred percent bad and you know mm-hmm. there's situations like uh the entertainment district here there are young women there they're going there drinking they're mm-hmm. around you know i mean unfortunately i know i might get some heat for this but you know wearing provocative clothing it's you know it's great to be able to wear mm-hmm. what you want but you know if some men cannot behave around that and mm-hmm. that's just a bit of a reality it's not you know, saying that uh, women don't have as many rights. Well, Laura, I want to thank you so much for sharing your story, and I wish you the best of luck in uh, in the rest of your journey as you raise awareness and help to uh, fight this cause. I'm Maureen McGrath. When I come back, we're going to be joined by the matchmaker. Aw, welcome back to Fiddler on the Roof. No, to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I'm Maureen McGrath. I'm your host here tonight on the program. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say it's really difficult to meet somebody in this fabulously, wildly exciting city of Vancouver. Um, But you know what? Some people disagree. She happens to be joining me here on the program tonight. Her name is Annie Cranfield. She is the President, Chief Executive Officer of the Matchmaker Club. She's going to talk about dating in this dull city and finding that perfect mate. Welcome to the show, That's Annie. That's right. Thank you so much for having me, Maureen. Oh, you're so welcome. Now, listen, when I was at uh, this, the Maple Ridge Senior Society Center <laughs> uh, this week, um, some of the women were offended because they thought that I was saying that everybody has to have sex, especially in the senior years. But, you know, I wasn't saying that. But, you know, if you choose to have sex, there there are certain medical conditions that may occur that may interrupt that uh, sexy feeling, shall we say. It doesn't mean you have to shut down your sex life at 70, because as we all know, 70 is the new 20. All right, that might be a bit of an exaggeration, <laughs> but, uh, but people are saying those kinds of things. Um, but it's just raising awareness. So do you find that, I mean, I get asked it all the time, when does sex stop, Maureen? What age is it? 44? 65? You know, 72? You mean people at, you know, 77 have sex? 76? That's the spirit. Um, but, you know, people have sex all throughout uh, life. You know, they can have sex into their 90s. So how about dating? Have you ever fixed anybody up who was, was older? Yeah, uh-huh. I've had a lot of clients that are, you know, older i guess you could say like in the 70s yeah, and 80s 70s 80s and let me tell you sex hasn't stopped for them they're still intrigued to find out what is quote unquote new in the sex world um although i don't think that changes very much but you know there may be trends um but yeah i don't think sex should stop i don't think that there's definitely a rule of thumb as to when sex should stop i mean if you don't want to have sex then you just don't have sex if you want to have sex then you continue having sex. absolutely but you have clients who are who are older as well who are wanting to meet somebody else that's right yeah whether that's you know to fall in love and have sexual um you know relationships or whether it's just companionship i think people just really want to find somebody who they you know fall in love with or they can spend the rest of their lives with exactly now i'm no matchmaker but i say to people you know you don't have to marry the guy just go out and practice for crying out loud just go (laughs) to have someone to do something with you know instead of sitting home by yourself twiddling your thumbs or something else um (laughs) anyway so when i when we were meeting last week and i uh, met you downstairs here in the lobby and you were talking to someone who i assumed you knew no i didn't know (laughs) him him. no i didn't know him that happens to me quite frequently though you know um 
people sort of always ask me, oh, you know, what, what makes you a good matchmaker? And for me, I just I literally talk to everybody that is around me because I never know who I'm going to meet. And just like that day, you know, I'm sitting downstairs waiting for you and there's this, you know, gentleman sitting beside me. And so I just started asking him about his day and he was telling me that he was opening a store in this building. And so we just got to talking and, you know, he asked me what I did. So I told him and I find that when I say I'm a matchmaker, people really just want to share their experiences in dating, whether it's, you know, they are looking for advice. Him in particular, he was sort of asking me for advice, but he gave me his card and I contacted him. So we'll see what happens. Oh. But he's a great catch. Yeah. And he was around, was he like kind of 47, Yeah, 48? I would say he's in his late 40s. Late very attractive 40s. though. He was very, you know. Drop dead gorgeous. He was very, no. <laughs> he's listening. <laughs> is he really? I don't know if he's listening, but maybe he is. He might be. No. Uh, I can't. Actually, I'm sorry. I actually don't remember what he looked like. But anyway, no, he seemed very pleasant. <laughs> he was. And I, I didn't want to interrupt that. But uh, a successful guy. Yeah, very and, successful. Yes. And um, you, you told me. And uh, yeah, late 40s and not with anybody at the moment and too busy because that's something that is epidemic these days. Some people are too busy to actually meet somebody else or to take the time to meet someone. And that's exactly right. And I like that you said it's sort of an epidemic because people do usually say that Vancouver is such a tough city to date from, but I don't necessarily agree. I think that it's you know, across North America, let's say, you know, I was recently in Chicago, you were talking about Chicago earlier, I was recently in Chicago, one of the, you know, it's a huge city, it's so friendly there. And it's the highest concentration of single people. So how could that be if everybody's talking to each other? Because that's what people say about Vancouver, well, nobody talks to one another. Well, it takes two to have a conversation, right? So Everybody needs to get out there and start talking to one another. And it's difficult to talk to people because everybody has yeah. the headphones on. They're walking down That's the street. It. They're texting. I mean, there was a woman w walking across the street. She was so rude. We're just waiting to take a left-hand turn. And she's, like, texting as she's walking across and falling yeah. out of the crosswalk, practically. Um, people are not paying attention. And it's, you know, so they're not actually looking at someone else. And I really believe in that neurochemistry of love and lust especially the last part, um, you know, you look at somebody and you think, oh, they're hot, you know, they're good yeah. looking, you know, and they kind of meet the eyes and it's just like, you know, um, whoa. But, but if people are looking down, they're never actually going to find somebody. And that's it. I think technology has really hindered our ability to have those human interactions. It just seems that it's, you know, I, I was recently with somebody and she was saying, you know, this really cute guy and he said hi and I just, I didn't know what to say. I'm like, well, you say hi back. You know, have we lost the ability to actually communicate face to face with people? I feel like people just feel more comfortable sending an email or corresponding through an online platform or texting. But when it comes face to face, we kind of freeze. That's exactly so right. So it's, it's interesting for what dating is going to look like in the future. Yes. And even, even from this show, um, you know, I've been on the air for about three years with this show. And um, sometimes in the past I've had guests and they will eat, they would have emailed and they sound fabulous on email and they, you know, exclamation points and, you know, they're just so interesting and think they're going to be a great guest. And then they come in here and they're like, Dullsville City you know it's like <laughs> they have nothing to say they can't speak they you know and they're very different and yeah. so I think we are raising a lot of people who are much they can say anything over over the internet or on a text or by sexting um, but they cannot actually pick up the phone say hey you know or yeah. somehow make that that meeting that face-to-face -face meeting happen so online dating that's another 
problem area for a lot of people. A lot of people aren't comfortable doing that. Yeah, that's right. I mean, online dating is, I always said, it's it's a great tool. You know, it allows us to expand our social circles and to meet people that we may or may have not met. Not everybody has the patience. Not everybody has the time. And some people want to remain a little bit more private about, you know, looking for somebody. And there's different sets of challenges that males and females face, and they don't actually know what the other person's going through, the other sex. So, for example, the one thing that I hear the most from men is, you know, I I spent an hour sending this message, and I thought that it was really witty and funny, and she never replied. And, you know, there could be many reasons as to why she didn't reply. The message could have been too long. There could have been a spelling mistake. You know, maybe she got four creepy messages before he sent that message and he's kind of piled with the creepy guys. So that happens. And then women just get too many messages. And so they have to filter through and they kind of get discouraged. So it's it's a challenge. Yes, interesting. And you say also some people don't have time to online date. So you do that work for them too. Exactly. Well, it's definitely a full-time job. Um, with my clients, I also look online because, again, I would be silly not to. There's great people on there, but it takes a lot of time and effort. And just like you, you know, I've, I've contacted somebody online and I go to meet them and I'm just like, wow, who, who, are, are you the same person? Like, you are totally different. Exactly. But on the flip side, I've also been surprised. So it's, it's you know, the importance of human interaction is just so important when it comes to dating because you'll never know until you meet the person face-to-face if there's chemistry or not. You can't tell. A- you will never be able to tell through a picture or a profile. Exactly. And yeah. sometimes uh, men and women want something different. Now, sometimes, and you know, <laughs> sometimes the men just want sex. Yeah. And, and sometimes the women just want a relationship. But, you know, there's That's like true. 4% of the women that want sex and maybe 2% yeah. of the men that want a relationship. Um, you know, so it's not all. Um, but but does that, how does that uh, interfere with the dating world? I don't think it does. I mean, men... On the online dating The online dating. I mean, dating in general. Men, of course they want sex. They all want sex. But that doesn't mean that they don't want to get to know you and date you and fall in love with you. It's just the way that they kind of are. And, you know, women want relationships. That's just the way that we are. You know, we're more emotional in that way. Um, I don't, I don't, I mean, people online, it's, it's challenging. It really is a challenge because guys do certain things that they think is attractive to women you know like they'll take the pictures of their top off and they're like oh i look so hot but that's what they wish they would see from the woman so they're doing what they would like to see but it just doesn't it doesn't work that way no with your shirt off (laughs) do not (laughs) do that number one yes that is the most important tip online do not take a selfie with your top off big l on your forehead for that one um so how does one join the matchmaker club so you can go to www.thematchmakerclub.com. Uh, you can also follow on Twitter, TM Club. Um, you can call me, okay. 778-772-6015. Wow. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yes, okay. Um, and so they join for how long and how does that work? So um, there is a six-month uh, period or there is a one-year period. So it really just depends what that person is looking for. Um, you know, I'm quite flexible. I have great relationships with my clients. You know, right. I, and on average, how long does it take for somebody to meet the love of their there life? There is no average. I recently just had a client and within his first match, he's he's already 
excited and you know it's it's been Fantastic. a couple weeks but it yeah. looks promising oh, so that's great you just never never know you just never know about love do you that's anyway. right well that's great well thank you so much annie no for thank joining you so me. much for having yeah, me it's, it's great work you're doing i really thank like you. it so uh thanks so much so when i come back so you've got that marriage made in heaven after having the matchmaker help you what happens when she gets a little bored or doesn't feel like you think she's sexy? We're going to talk about women cheating. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. Well, I guess <laughs> that's the end of that song. That's it. She was a cheater. Um, so, yes, I was reminded of this subject in uh, my office this week because I had, had a number of women who told me about their escapades. One woman in particular, she actually told me about her mother's ex- escapades a, a hundred years ago. Um, and probably, I was trying to do the math. Anyway, um, she was 82, and she said that her mother left her when she was 15 months old, left her with her father. And she had felt that uh, she wasn't sure if her father was a real father. Um, the mom left with another man, which was, you know, terribly shameful in those days and certainly not done. It was never spoken about. It was never discussed. The mother went on to have another family and um, I think she had three or four boys and um, left two daughters with the first husband but she got pregnant and that was why she had to marry the first man at around the age of 20 and by about 27 or 28 she went off with somebody else and this impacted this woman she said in her life, she said that um, she married somebody uh, who was a solid guy and a great guy and um, lovely man, but he had low sexual desire. And so her sexual needs were not being met in the relationship necessarily, but she felt she didn't want to be like her mother. She didn't want to become like her mother. And we do that. We either decide we're going to be just like our parents or we're going to go exactly the opposite. I'm not going to you know, be like them in this particular way. And so... So she, in a, in a sense, um, felt that she had shut down her sexual needs. Um, and, and she also wondered, she wasn't sure if her husband wasn't gay or not, uh, which, which was interesting too, and especially for those times as well. And so we make decisions so often just around shame um, and, and the shame that it may cause us, which is so sad because I think so many people have a, such a sad life and uh, an unfulfilled life if they make decisions that are not true to themselves, are authentic or genuine, or, or are, they're not strong enough to stand up and say, this is actually what I want, or this is who I want. I don't want to do this just because society says that I should get married because I'm, I'm pregnant or, or whatever. But um, a lot of women tell me their stories. Another woman told me that she had had two marriages, and her first marriage she cheated basically all the way through. She's married about 10 or 15 years. And she, in fact, she left that first husband with one of the liaisons. She liked that word. <laughs> um, one of the affairs that she had had, she ended up marrying him. And um, they had a great sex life. And she, she actually cheated once. And um, it was a, a work issue and, or a work liaison, shall I say, which is very common. Um, and she was just somebody that she was connected with and, and um or did connect with and uh, had sex at work. <laughs> so that happens too, I want to say. But women tell me that they're lonely. They're not connected. They didn't feel close to their partner. They feel that they're taken for granted. And that can certainly help today. And um, or it certainly happened today in today's world, especially with how, how busy people are and just how much mother load uh, women have, shall we say. They, they often tell me that they 
want to have someone who would look into their eyes and make them feel sexy again. And last week I, t- I talked about men being creative in the bedroom. And, you know, I, I, after the show I realized I, I meant to say women want to be taken under. You know, w- women really want to have somebody who is confident in the bedroom and knows what they're doing and is uh, willing to care for them in a, in a way that, uh, is, that just sets them asunder. And so really describing it as being taken under, I, I hear that from women as well, as opposed to just, you know, duty sex or, you know, um, this kind of this rollover kind of a thing. Um, women, uh, men are more likely to cite sexual motivations for infidelity, and they're much less likely to fall in love with an extramarital partner. Women, on the other hand, tend to get an emotional connection with their lover and are more than likely to have that affair, as I mentioned, because of loneliness and that emotional tie. That's where they talk about the emotional ties. But sometimes um, women are often... it's, It's a myth that women don't enjoy sex and that women don't actually have an affair or want to have an affair because they want to have better sex. That that occurs for women as well. Women tend to be more unhappy with the relationship that they are in when they cheat, whereas men can be a lot happier in the primary relationship and then they can also cheat because it's about sex often for men. Um, men will seek it out more so. Women are more interested in supplementing their marriage or um, women actually... Uh, don't like to remain bored in the bedroom, whereas men are okay, more so. Uh, This is not every man, but uh, some men are happy with monogamy, but women tend not to be. About 34% of the women who had affairs were happy or very happy in their marriage, according to a uh, research study done at Rutgers Rutgers University in New Jersey. 56% of men who had affairs were happy in their marriage. So, but that does show that, you know, 44% of, of men are not happy uh, in their marriages when they're having affairs. Women have, women are different about affairs. Women are socialized to be sneaky, so they're actually a little bit smarter about it, you could say. Women tend not to get caught like men get caught. So men don't think that they'll, to put a password on their phone, unless they are uh, serial cheaters, and unless they are, you know, trying to improve upon the last time, the last time they got caught. Um, but women are much smarter about it uh, than than men are. Um, it's they women aren't necessarily doing it because they want to have more sex, but they don't mind if they get it. Um, but women also realize that they also think about consequences and they think maybe this can happen and this will upset my entire apple cart uh, should I get caught. So um, m- many it's, it's played out in, uh, in many different ways. Um, they say that it can be a genetic uh, component. There can be a genetic component fulfill- fulfilling the Darwinian need to spread um, the seed for men, for example, but the connection that women look for when having affairs also has evolutionary roots. Um, and there's some belief that when in previous days when women went out to gather food, they slept with other men. And that created an insurance policy or that plan B of today that Jill Bennett and I have spoken about um, to have someone who would help rear their children and provide resources should their mate die. And that's another reason women um, will tend to be a little bit more careful about an affair 
and are far less likely to get caught. Also, people don't think that women cheat, so um, we know that's not true because I've told you here tonight on the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Anyway, uh, when I come back, we're going to wrap up this program. I have a little information about vasectomy versus tubal ligation. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen. I want to get to this email because I've been meaning to get to this one for the last couple of weeks. Hi, Maureen. If a straight couple is 100% sure they don't want any children or any more children, would you recommend that the man get a vasectomy or the woman get a tubal ligation or both? Which is faster, less invasive, which is safer, which is more efficacious in preventing pregnancy, uterine, or ectopic? Thanks, JS. JS, I will give you a, um, a bigger, I'll respond to your email in writing. But um, I just want to say this is a very personal decision and, and really after becoming informed, having a conversation about the risks and the benefits with your physician. But, uh, but also I will say that probably the tubal ligation is faster, if you will, um, although it's more invasive. So it's faster to um, becoming sterile or less or infertile, if you will, and in, in unable to have children. Um, because for men, when men have a vasectomy, which is a minimally invasive procedure, they, um, it's about two or three months before uh, everything has to be flushed out of the system. So there can be some uh, sperm swimming around there still. And uh, so that increases the chances of having um, getting pregnant. Also, which is safer, probably the vasectomy is safer um, because you, the tubal often requires a general anesthesia, uh, anesthetic. So uh, more efficacious. They're both pretty efficacious. Um, so... Uh, and there's no need to have both of them done. More About three times as many women will have a tubal ligation over men. That's because women want to take control um, of their bodies and ensure that they will not get pregnant. But this is a w- much wider conversation, much bigger conversation in terms of if you ended up uh, losing a child, God forbid, or meeting another person, would you, in fact, not want to have another baby? So these, are, uh, uh, these subjects are not to be taken lightly. But I can delve deeper into that in the coming weeks. Uh, anyway, like all great sex, it comes to an end much too quickly. Um, so I've been on a speaking tour this uh, spring, and it's been just a blast going around to the different uh, places, and I'm um, going to be heading, I have one private affair coming up, and um, speaking of affairs, and um, also I'll be at the Cloverdale Fairgrounds on June 27th at 1 o'clock in the afternoon at Shannon Hall, speaking about health and sex and sexuality, and and I'll, of course, bring my hot pink suitcase. You can always visit me at www.backtothebedroom.ca. Follow me on Twitter or tweet me at back, the number two, the bedroom. You can email me at sextalk at cknw.com. Remember, when you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of your dance. Do some good for somebody else. Enjoy this gorgeous weather that we're having. I'm Maureen McGrath, and you have been listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show.